Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you this morning under these circumstances. Um, and thanks uh, for leading us in worship, Mike and Liz. It's just great that we've been able to at least create something of who Bentley is uh, this morning. Now, I'm deliberately continuing in these messages that I set out to do on the seven last words of Jesus from the cross. But for some of you who may be feeling a bit of anxiety or discontent, I can turn you back to our um, website where there's a couple of messages that I gave in January that pick up those two issues. And you may like in these circumstances just to uh, feed yourself on God's word through those messages. So this is Jesus' sixth word from the cross. It is finished. Uh, many years ago I saw a two-hour two TV documentary on the annual Ironman Triathlon World Championship in Hawaii. I don't know how many of you have heard of that event. And this was about the 2011 event where there are 1,800 competitors who qualified. You have to qualify to do this event. Now this is the event, 3.9 kilometre swing, swim. I don't know how many of you are already worried about this event. Then there's a 180 kilometre an hour bike ride, finished off with a 42.2 kilometre run, the full marathon. And it takes just over eight hours to do it for the winner. And competitors must finish within the 16 hours. And there's an incredible array of competitors, professional athletes who want to win the prize and be first across the line. There's a whole lot of other reasons. There's cancer survivors in there. There's, there was a married couple in their 50s who were interviewed for this event. A 150 plus kilogram American pro footballer, a paraplegic in a wheelchair and so it went on. And all of these competitors held one thing in common. They all wanted to finish or complete the event. They wanted to accomplish what they'd set out to do and inside the 16-hour time limit. Many had been preparing themselves for this torture for years. They were set on crossing the finish line in victory. And they endured extremes of pain and exhaustion during that race. Yet it was interesting to note as they showed competitors coming across uh, the finish line that most of them were out to raise a punch in the air of victory as they crossed that line or a little skip of victory and all of them had a smile on their face because they'd accomplished what they set out to do. These were unmistakable signs of a victory. And there was a shout of victory that rang out from the centre cross on Calvary's Hill almost 2,000 years ago. It is finished. It was a shout of victory that Jesus cried out after completing the task that he'd set out to accomplish. There was nothing more to do. The goal was reached, the finish line crossed. Jesus' cry doesn't mean this, you know, it's, oh, it's over. Thank goodness the end's come. Oh, I'm really done for. Yet that's how I saw it as a child and through my teen years and perhaps into some of my early adult years until I really started to reflect 
on those words. It's actually one word uh, in the Greek language and I rarely give out Greek words but I reckon this is a beauty. Tetelestai. Now you can shout that out in your lounge rooms this morning because you won't be disturbing the sanctuary of people here and we wouldn't do that at Bentley, would we? So you can practice at home. Tetelestai. It is completed. It is perfected. It is accomplished. Jesus is announcing that at the precise moment when he seems to be defeated, he is actually the conqueror, Christ the victor. It is finished signifies full completion of Jesus' work and the establishment of a basis for our faith. Nothing further needs to be done. Jesus' shout was voluntary and it was confident for he had discharged perfectly the Father's purpose and was leaving the scene of his human struggle. Another interesting thing about this word tetelestai is it's a word that people would write on a bill after it had been paid, paid in full. Now we've just had extensive renovations done in our kitchen and I've received three different invoices over the last month or so for the work and each time I'd receive an invoice I'd call in uh, the builder who was overseeing this who happens to be a friend of mine, put it on the desk and said can you write paid in full over that? for me and date it to show that I'd paid the invoice. The price has been paid. And it is upon this finished, completed work that Jesus' people from that day up until now and into the future can stake their lives on that word. I do. What about you? I just want to remind us again today that the cross is indispensable. To some it may be a stumbling block. To others, foolishness. Yet to others, an offensive symbol of horrible suffering. But it cannot be done away with because it is the power of God to those who are being saved. Now this morning I want to look at just three things very briefly that were accomplished on the cross by Jesus. There are many more but just three. And the first is this, that in that shout of victory, Jesus declared that he'd finished the work that the Father had given him to do. I remind you again this morning, the Father is in the work of the Son on the cross. Jesus in John 4, and we're in John's Gospel, said this, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He's just done it. In John 17, just before all the trial and everything, Jesus is praying to his Father, that great high priestly prayer for the disciples, for the church. I have brought you glory, he said to his Father. I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. There's his completed work. He's revealed the Father to us. He's made him known in the complete work on the cross. It's here that we see the incredible holy and loving heart of God as he dealt with the sin of the world on that horrible instrument of torture. 
The Father's heart of love is revealed in Jesus' shout of victory from the cross. The second thing I want us to understand this morning, and I think this is really important, is in John 12 and verse 23 and then verse 31, Jesus says this at a very critical point in his ministry as the road really begins to the cross. This is what he said, John 12, 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Satan will be driven out. The evil one, whoever you want to call him, will be driven out. I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. John writing again his letters at the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus' shout of victory signals to us that Satan has been defeated on the cross. Paul writing to a church like us, the church at Colossae in Colossians 2.15 said this, the cross, appear, or this is, the cross appeared to be the triumph of, of Satan. But Paul said that it was the defeat of Satan. Here's what he says. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It is finished. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and I, Jesus too shared in their humanity. The word become flesh, John says in the beginning of his gospel. Jesus shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We read there that the power of death, that the thing that causes fear about death is the evil one, the devil. And he's defeated on Calvary. I wonder what kind of fears are being generated in your hearts and minds, the hearts and minds of your family and your friends by the current coronavirus pandemic. I reckon the cry of Jesus has something to say to us this morning about the fear of death and its defeat. Tetelestai. It is finished. It's the end of Satan and his underlings. But I do acknowledge we have a tension here. The cross does sound the end of Satan, yet we are harassed by him. It's a kind of a paradox. And Peter speaks to this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Foot in mouth, Peter. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he was speaking to Christians who were under a lot of pressure and being persecuted for their faith. They were in troubled times. So this tells us that the evil one who's defeated has actually got some last gasp work going on and he's trying to deceive us about the work of Jesus at Calvary. Perhaps he's trying to let you see there ought to be great fear in death 
These are barren and fruitless because he is a defeated enemy. The decisive moment in the cross, it is finished, has ongoing results for our lives. We don't need to be crippled by the fear of death. That's the work of the evil one. James makes great sense here. James chapter 4 and verse 7. And I love the way this works. Submit yourselves then to God. We're in fairly strong isolation at the moment, which may get even stronger in our society. Here's a wonderful opportunity to stop and be quiet before God and submit ourselves to him. And then what happens? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's not just some nice theory. That's reality. So are you struggling with fears and anxieties right now about yourself and your loved ones and about death and you actually feel overwhelmed which is unusual for you. feel like there's enormous pressure coming on your life. It may be Satan. So I encourage you to dig into God and even ask him to get Jesus to bind up Satan in these circumstances and take him out of your life so you're not being oppressed by him. That's what we're encouraged to do. If you're struggling to do that on your own, you can do it with someone you're watching with now. Or maybe after this is over, take the initiative and phone a friend and say, I'd just love for you to pray for me right now that I can be free and live in Jesus. Don't wait for someone else to call you. Pick up the phone. I'd encourage you to do that at any time in this shutdown. If you're feeling a little lonely, take the initiative and reach out to others. Hopefully others will reach to you as well. We're in this together. You see, I'm encouraging you to do this because we have victory in Christ over the roaring lion. Sharon and I were leading a small group in a small house church in one of the churches we were in. And we were doing a study through a book we were reading on the place of Satan and all that was happening. And uh, as part of that one night we came to this verse from John 10. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief, that's the evil one, Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And as we were sitting there, there was a woman in her mid-50s who came alone to worship whose husband wasn't interested. She just burst out, Satan is no longer going to steal my life and my joy. We prayed for her and from that moment she was released from the devouring lion who'd been walking, working quietly in her life. And she was released and became a person free in Jesus. It is finished. The third thing I want us to look at is what occurred right at the beginning of John's Gospel when John sees Jesus for the first time. In John 1.29 we read this, he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right at the start, 
Jesus is identified as the one who would take upon himself the titanic weight of the sin of the whole world and in a great act of sacrifice atone for it so that we could be reconciled with God, become his children and we could receive grace upon grace. You know, on the annual day of atonement in the Jewish faith, the high priest would lay his hands on the head of a live goat, the scapegoat, and then he would confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion and sinfulness of the people of Israel. And then the goat was driven out into the wilderness, never to be seen again. And so the sins of Israel were taken way out beyond the camp. Jesus is our scapegoat. Hebrews 9 says this, Hebrews 9.26, But now Christ has appeared once for all. You see, that was a repeated annual thing, but once for all, Christ has now appeared at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And listen to Paul's testimony about this in 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Is that your testimony this morning that this it is finished word has just filtered deep into your heart? If you're struggling this morning as you're hearing this and part of Bentley Baptist gathered in this way, I want you to keep reflecting on these words. It is finished. Jesus is saying there's been an infinite chasm, gulf between you and God. I've travelled every centimetre of that gap for you. The word become flesh. I've paid it all. I've accomplished it all. I've done all the striving to bring you salvation. There is no striving for you to do. Having said that, I know my own life and my pastoral work tells me that it's the nature of human beings to think that Christ's work could not possibly be finished. That you and I have to add something to it. That there's something more to do. It cannot be that free. We have to earn it. Shout it out in your lounge room. Tenelestai. It's finished. I went trawling to see the last words of Buddha uh, during the week and found this on several of Buddhist websites. This is the last words of the Buddha to his monks. All component things in the world must grow old and be dissolved again. They are not lasting. Seek for that which is permanent and work hard to gain your salvation. Tetelestai, or work hard to gain your salvation. Religion is you and I giving God a really good performance. And then he goes, well, that's pretty good. I'll give him a little blessing. The gospel is God blesses us first in Jesus Christ with our salvation. And then we do our best to love and serve that Jesus who's already given us a welcome, given us acceptance, given us blessing. They're two hugely different ways. 
And as I look out over this room this morning, and I'm doing that literally, this is a time where I'm grateful that you actually sit in the same spot most weeks. Because I can picture you here this morning and I can see some of you crying out, Hallelujah. Do it in your lounge room now. Because you're not going to disturb us here. But I also see two other kinds of people as I look around and see you. There are those who beat up on themselves. Somebody criticises you, you beat up on yourself. I'm no good. When you make a mistake, you get down on yourself. You did something wrong 2, 10, 20, 30 years ago and you can't get past it. You just feel bad about it. The sin is unforgivable in your eyes. You're just not worthy enough to receive the finished benefits of the work of Jesus, so you beat up on yourself. Do you know what Jesus is saying to you right now? I was beaten up for you. Are you telling me that that wasn't good enough? I was scourged. I paid for your sins. Why are you beating up on yourself and cowering in your self-loathing? Don't you know what I've done for you? There's also another kind of person here. The one who feels like they have to prove themselves. Prove himself, prove herself to God by what they're doing. Working diligently, in fact, workaholic. Self-provers might be going, look at my heritage, look at my family, we've been brilliant with Jesus, you know, I deserve a blessing, I've earned it. Your status in society, in profession, your character. I'm reading the Bible every day, I'm praying, I'm going to worship, I'm serving, I'm serving. You're doing all this to prove that you are worthy of receiving salvation. And Jesus says to you, there is nothing you can add to my work. Nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's accomplished on the cross. Do you not understand that God himself is satisfied with my work? You see, Jesus was raised from the dead, wasn't he? And that's God saying, the work was well done and completed. We know these words really well from Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For those who are beating up on themselves, for those who are adding something to the cross by trying to prove themselves, I say this to you, God loves you more than you could possibly think or dream or imagine. We receive the gift of salvation because Christ cried out, it is finished. Amazing grace indeed. Paul wrote this in Romans 8 and verse 1, a chapter I encourage you to read through very slowly in these times because I think there's just such rich nuggets of gold to mine in that passage. But he says, therefore, in Romans 8 verse 1, he's just told us all about the work of Jesus on the cross and what it all means. He says, therefore, because of all that, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means no beating up on ourselves, no beating up on others, no evil one being able to beat up on you because the work is finished on the cross, because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life 
set me free from the law of sin and death. Victory I have in Jesus Christ, forgiveness, for he was crucified. You know this, well at least those of you are at least my vintage. One of the first ones we learnt in the new coming to different worship goes on. Wholeness in every part of me. Deliverance, for he has set me free. I'm reigning with him upon the throne and conquering of Satan's power below living a life with Christ as Lord and King. I freely admit with you that living the Christian life, just living life, can be a struggle. Please remember this. We fight from the victory of the cross. We fight from the victory of the cross and not for the victory of the cross. It is grace upon grace. Amen. Just thanks for being part of this. And I want to leave you with this blessing that I was reading as I was reading through the book of Thessalonians this week. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3 and 5, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Amen.